Hi there, and welcome to the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. We're Alana, Paris, and Kyle, friends who have a heart for intimacy and long to uncover God's truth and design for sexual freedom within marriage. On our podcast, we weekly discuss topics that are typically left in the shadows, and we do our best to shine God's light and love onto them. Welcome here. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. We have a very special show today. We have two awesome guests. We have Tony and Alyssa DiLorenzo, hosts of the One Extraordinary Marriage Podcast and authors of one amazing book called The Six Pillars of Intimacy. Guys, welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having us. We're yeah. to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So for listeners who have no idea who you are, they've never heard of the book, never heard of your show, just give us a little bit of background on who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So Tony and I have been married um, just about 26 years, Yeah. Oh, wow. which is really kind of a crazy thing to actually start to be put words around. Um, but really, you know, the first 11-ish years were not so great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd found ourselves in a place a couple of times where we considered divorce. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but we got really radical and went after saying, you know what, divorce is not going to be an option for us. And so how do we get intentional mm-hmm. about our marriage? And that morphed into a 60-day sex challenge, which morphed into, you know, people asking what's next after we spoke at a church marriage retreat and you know january of 2010 we got behind the microphones for the first time to record the very first episode of the one extraordinary marriage show yeah and as of this recording earlier today we recorded episode number 721. yeah Yeah, you guys are like the og marriage podcast that's amazing (laughs) yeah yeah it's been a a bit that's a lot yeah so you know hundreds of thousands of couples around the world, six books later and 12 and a half years of podcasting. We've, we've literally spent the last, you know, 13, 14 years collectively pouring into marriages and studying marriage mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, really going after helping couples create the extraordinary marriage they desire. Oh. Yeah. So we're going to jump into a little bit of the book and we're going to focus mostly today on emotional and sexual intimacy. But before we jump into those, do you want to just quickly overview uh, what the six pillars are and maybe just give the other listeners the other four pillars? Yeah. So the six pillars of intimacy themselves collectively are our framework. They're a tool Mm -hmm. to help couples really be able to look at their marriage from a holistic standpoint and say, okay, where are we strong? Mm -hmm. And where are those areas? We call them cracks because they're pillars. And so if a pillar isn't strong, it's got a crack in it. And it's a way to not just go, oh, there's something wrong with our marriage. What do we do about it? Like, we don't know what that is, but really to have language. Um, around this. And so the six pillars, the first one is emotional intimacy, which we are going to hit on. Um, Pillar number two is physical intimacy. And so that's all the closeness and connection around your non-sexual touch. Yeah. And then we go into your financial intimacy. And this is one where a lot of people go, um, finances and intimacy, how does that work out? Right. And so I just want to say this too. The reason we call it the six pillars of intimacy is so often we heard people say intimacy mm-hmm. and we've been studying our own marriage and many marriages around the world in the one family for 12, 13 years now. And people normally when they say intimacy, they say they, they mean sex. And Alisa right. and I are like, well, you can't have sex 24 right. seven. 
And intimacy at its core means closeness and connection. Mm -hmm. So how are you close and connected in your financial intimacy? Mm -hmm. Then we have our recreational or actually our spiritual intimacy. Mm -hmm. And then we go there, we go into our recreational intimacy, which is our fun. Those are our activities. Mm -hmm. Those are our dates. Mm -hmm. And then we go into our sexual intimacy, which is your initiating your foreplay and your sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So let's start with emotional intimacy and... Do you want to just define that for us first? Yeah, yeah it really, so intimacy itself is how, you know, how a couple will create closeness and connection. And so when it yeah. comes to emotional intimacy, it's really looking at how the two of you create that closeness and connection through your verbal and nonverbal communication, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot of words we use, but our bodies will also tell our spouses a whole lot about what's going mm-hmm. on with us yeah. and what we think about the situation. Yeah. And in that emotional intimacy, it gets into sharing your thoughts and your feelings and your desires is it's really the opportunity to go beyond, Hey, you know, don't forget to pick up milk and the kids have a soccer game. Mm -hmm. It's getting into the depth of the relationship and the vulnerabilities that come with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was noticing how um, in the book you were talking about their correlation between emotional intimacy and sexual intimacy, um, which we've Mm -hmm. kind of touched on before in our podcast as well. But I wanted to pick your brain on like, so say someone is struggling, how would they go about strengthening that emotional connection, that emotional intimacy, if they've been having issues with that? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is that, you know, you have to give time Mm -hmm. to those things that need to be stronger in your marriage. You know, so often it's like, we would just want the quick fix, but if you don't put any time behind it, um, you can't have conversations Mm -hmm. if there's no time investment. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's creating that time factor in a marriage to say, we all know we're busy. Like everyone listening to this podcast, you don't have to tell us you're busy. We know you're busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, if the marriage is important to you, you will make time mm-hmm. to have the conversations. And it's also really going, okay, what's the environment that we have our conversations in, mm-hmm. right? When Tony and I first got married, like I said, almost married 26 years, the prevailing wisdom at that point in time was that conversations, deep emotional conversations should be had sitting across a table from one another and staring into each other's eyes. Knee to knee, holding each other's hand <laughs> and look deeply into each other's eyes and, yeah. and tell it all, right? Yeah. And, and that was like, oh my gosh, so scary as a 23, 24 year old newly married man. I, I love Elisa. I loved her then. It was just that like, what do I do here? I would literally just get sweaty. My palms mm. would get sweaty. I, I, would, I would shut down mm-hmm. because it was just this, this intense, like she's just staring, staring deep into my soul. (laughs) And it really hindered us for years Mm -hmm. on having conversations, like deep conversations with one another, because we didn't know what else to do. And, and so over the years we found for us around our emotional intimacy specifically is that we go out and what we call our walking talks, Mm -hmm. you know, it's shoulder to shoulder. We're holding hands and we're talking mm-hmm. and we just allow that conversation yeah. to flow. And that's allowed us to strengthen that emotional intimacy in a way that we never knew possible mm-hmm. uh, for many, many years. Yeah. yeah. Having that safe, that safe space and even change of scenery, right? right? Like I said, we get out of our house mm-hmm. to have a conversation because sometimes you have the same conversations in the same place in your house and you already know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the husband's going to respond this way. The wife's going to respond this way. And it's like, get outside, mm-hmm. go somewhere else, mm-hmm. change that up. Yeah. It takes the pressure off too. Probably it's just mm-hmm. yeah. it's less like 
eye to eye and more just <laughs> shoulder to shoulder holding hands and having a conversation. No, I love that. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a job interview anymore. Yes. Right. That's exactly. It. That is absolutely it. And it's something that Lisa and I talk about a lot within Six Pillars of Intimacy and to the one family and in, in um, is we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. And when you go knee to knee and you're going face to face like that, you're actually going against each other. I mean, there's this like our boy played football. And so our analogy typically is there's a quarterback on the other side. He, he played defensive line. There's a quarterback on the other side. Alex is on the other side of the ball. His goal is to get that quarterback, get that running back, take him down. And that's that, you know, face-to-face combat mm-hmm. instead of going shoulder to shoulder and going, no, we're on the same team. There's a problem. There's something that we're facing. It's not you. It's not me. There's the problem. How are we together going to come up with a solution mm-hmm. to go after that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then what would your advice be to someone who's in the relationship and they're wanting this and they're wanting those connections, they're wanting those good conversations to like then over time, be building that emotional intimacy, but they feel like they're the only one in the relationship wanting, like putting in the effort and the other spouse is kind of like, you know, irrelevant, doesn't, you know, it's whatever, things are fine the way they are. We don't need to put more work in. And that's actually a really common scenario Mm. in couples, uh, in a couple's dynamic because, and I've coached, you know, hundreds of couples over the years and it's, it's looking for that common ground. Sometimes, and I know we're talking about emotional intimacy, but for a lot of couples, being able to have those conversations will actually come as a result of the recreational intimacy that the two of them have. How do we get out and do something that might be of interest to my spouse? And as a result, we can get into conversation because we're doing something else. It's not this like, oh, can we talk? Mm -hmm. And everybody feels the weight of, you know, those Mm -hmm. few couple words of going, oh, this is not going to be good. This is not. But the two of you might be out on a hike and you're, you know, you're miles into this hike and you're just, you know, you're talking about the kids and you're talking about your dreams and you're talking about that beautiful vista that you just saw. And you can go into everything that's going on with you through, because you're doing something. Mm-hmm. And that can be an easy entry. A lot of my couples in cha- when they're, you know, facing emotional intimacy challenges, I'll be like, get out and go do something. Yeah. Because it does change that scenery and it allows you to be active with your spouse into a place of getting that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing we've seen over the years too, is because of the topics in the range that Elisa and I talk about on the One Extraordinary Marriage Show, you get somebody who doesn't, and they don't know how to talk because they don't, they've never had anybody else share Mm -hmm. from that perspective, wherever it may be from that emotional intimacy, all the way to the sexual intimacy, where we're just talking, we're having a conversation and it allows them to go, oh, wait, if Tony and Lisa can do that, and they spark some conversation, then we can do it. Mm-hmm. And it, it allows that spouse who may be on the edge, but they can start listening going, oh, wow, I just heard Tony say that. That's how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And that could be either the husband or the wife. Mm-hmm. Like they can just be like, oh gosh, that's how I'm feeling. And then they can express that to their spouse. Mm-hmm. And that opens the door for them to start walking down and strengthening their emotional intimacy. Mm-hmm. And even for someone to put words, like sometimes I know for myself, I, I can't really like pinpoint my emotions. I just like mm-hmm. struggle with that. But if someone was to be like sharing something and be like, oh no, that's it. Like that's what mm-hmm. I feel. So no, I think that's right. super useful. No, love that. Well, and Alana, you bring up a really good point. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of us were never really taught to put labels yeah. to those feelings. 
right? You know, so often as a kid, somebody will come up to you like, oh, you're happy, Mm -hmm. you're sad. Mm -hmm. And so we sit at kind of this really surface point. But being able to identify your feelings is actually a skill. Yeah. And, you know, one of the tools that I use with a lot of my coaching clients is a tool called an emotion wheel. Yeah. And it becomes this great resource of going, you know, I mean, you can find them on Amazon, just, you know, Google emotion wheel. Um, But you'll see in the center, it talks about just kind of the basic emotions, happy, sad, you know, scared, disgust, angry, angry. And, but coming out from that, there are secondary and tertiary emotions. And, you know, I've had clients that will, you know, Google, you know, a different, you know, one of those words and go, is that what I'm really feeling? And when you can dig a little bit deeper, it's amazing how that can actually become a unifying force Mm -hmm. for a couple to go, oh, when I said this, I I didn't mean to make you feel inadequate. That was never my intention. Let's talk about where that came from. And now because they're digging deep into these words around feelings, they get the ability to to connect and just have that deeper emotional intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never heard of an emotion wheel until I listened to your guys' show and heard you mention it. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is a game changer. Like, like cause totally. most guys, especially guys, like generalizing mm-hmm. here, but are not good at putting words to their emotions, right? So having this where you can physically see it and you can just point to it, it's like, oh, just trace it. Oh yeah, that is exactly what I'm feeling. Like, what mm-hmm. a game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it was really, it was a, a gentleman that like I had always used um, early in my coaching, I had used like the faces, yeah. right? right? A lot of, you know, a lot of, and that's a tool used with a lot of children mm-hmm. too. Like a lot of parents will use that to help their kids. And it was one of our, one of our coaching clients who said, yeah, I found this thing called an emotion wheel and I'm okay. Amazon me. Like, yeah. where is this thing and what is it? And like you said, Kyle, it's been a game changer for so many people because even just seeing that there are so many different emotions and feelings that we can be having just literally opens up your mind to go, what's possible? And how can I communicate that to my spouse, mm-hmm. which really just deepens the intimacy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. So you guys talk about how emotional intimacy is like the workhorse of the pillars. And I think mm-hmm. you guys did this intentionally, but in the book, you guys, did you strategically order the intimacies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So emotional intimacy obviously is the first one and you guys talk about it being the workhorse. So do you want to just explain like how and why emotional intimacy is the workhorse workhorse of the marriage? Yeah, um, you you did pick up on it. The, the six pillars are very intentional as they move, you know, left to right, one to six. Um, and the reason that emotional intimacy was the first one and is the workhorse is because the ability to talk about the other five, the ability to connect in the other five, mm-hmm. all comes out of how the two of you communicate verbally and non-verbally. Mm-hmm. So having that awareness of going, I need individually to be aware of what I'm doing, but also how do we do this as a couple? Really, you know, it, it strengthens your physical intimacy, how you talk about your touches. It strengthens your financial intimacy, everything related amount around money, your spiritual intimacy, the conversations around faith, you know, recreational intimacy. Like you have to have deep emotional intimacy to sit in the car and not play the, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do game? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like we got to go beyond that as couples. Uh, and then even being able to talk about sex, you know, a lot of couples were never, you know, individually were not taught necessarily how to talk about sex. And so developing that ability to communicate thoughts, feelings, and desires even plays into the sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, let's jump into sexual intimacy, which is what most people think about when they hear the word intimacy, but hopefully not anymore now that we've yeah. heard yeah. some other t- forms yeah. of intimacy. But uh, let's just define this term for now. So what exactly is it? 
I'll, I'll take that. Um, yeah. So sexual intimacy is your closeness and connection around romance, initiating foreplay and sexual intercourse. And so with sexual intimacy, as you said, Kyle, most people would say, and I shared earlier, most people say, I want more intimacy. Right. Well, what does that mean to you would be my question. Well, I want more sex. Okay. Well, you can't have sex 24 <laughs> seven. And what does sexual intimacy actually look like? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of folks, us included, it's not just the sexual intercourse. Right. It is how are we romancing one another? Mm. What is happening throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month? How are we romancing? How are we initiating? What's going on? I want to feel desired. Mm -hmm. You know, I want Lisa to initiate just as much as she wants me to initiate towards her. Yeah. Foreplay. What does that look like? What We're not just jumping into bed and just tearing off our clothes and having sex. We, we want to warm each other up. We want to enjoy the touches and the, and the mm -hmm. fun and, and bringing in lube and, and toys and all those sort of things. And then obviously sexual intercourse. So we took sexual intimacy and looked at it and said, well, it's not just that sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. How are you able to strengthen this pillar? How are you able to have the extraordinary marriage you desire around your sexual intimacy as you look at these four areas? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, so in like the, that part of the book and the sexual intimacy, I, I feel like you had said it, it can be used as like a barometer to indicate mm -hmm. other challenges. Can you touch on that for a second? Yeah. You know, there have been so many times over the years where, I mean, we have conversations pretty much everywhere we go. People will talk to us about once they find out what we do, we find out about what's going on in their marriage. Oh, totally. Right. Kind of an occupation. <laughs> yeah. Occupational hazard. <laughs> uh, but with that, you know, a lot of people will talk about, well, we're not we're not having sex. Mm. Well, if a couple's not mm. having sex or if they're not having sex frequently, or if it feels like, you know, sex is kind of this tug of war, well, that will tell us a lot about what's happening with the physical intimacy. Cause likely there isn't a whole lot of touching going mm. on. It will tell us about their emotional intimacy because if they're not handling, you know, the conversations around their sexual intimacy, then there's a really good chance that they're not talking about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, it may be indicative of challenges in their financial intimacy right. because for a lot of people, financial stress will lower libido. Totally. Right. And so we can look at a lot of times, like I said in the book, um, if somebody will tell us what's happening in their sex life, we know that there's a whole lot of other stuff mm -hmm. going on in the marriage. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You guys are big on uh, scheduling sex uh, as opposed to the Hollywood spontaneous sex. Can you guys, uh, this might be new to a lot of people. So can you guys talk a little bit more about this? Well, yeah. First, I want to say when we talk about scheduling sex, we're not talking about Tuesday at 9.07. <laughs> like we're, we're not that. So for everybody that just heard Kyle say, you guys are big about talking about sex and just literally wanted to turn off well, this scheduling episode, sex. scheduling sex yeah. and wanted to turn off the episode. Stay tuned. Like stay hanging yeah. with us because that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. So after we completed our 60 day sex challenge. Okay, wait. That in that, did you have sex every day for 60 days? We ended up having we ended up having sex forty out of sixty days. Holy moly, that's a lot. Yeah. And we had a two and a five year old at the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you have any questions about that? Because I can just see you pro like if you got to process it, you got to like, ask. Process, it's, it's ask okay. a question. It's we we have done since that time, and, and I'll and I'll share that. Um, we have done. 14 challenges total, ranging anywhere from seven days. The majority of them have been seven mm -hmm. days, all the way up to 60 days. Um, in that, in those that we have done, 
we have done one sixty day, mm -hmm. three thirty days, and so ten seven day sex challenges. Then. So you're and doing them frequently. You're doing them like so. Obviously, you're finding those helpful. Like you're obviously mm -hmm. doing them because it's beneficial for you guys. Yeah, once a year we do a sex challenge in addition to the intentionality, the scheduling of sex, what we call our intimacy lifestyle, which we maintain throughout the mm -hmm. year. We do a sex challenge every mm -hmm. year as a reset yeah. Yeah. around not just our sexual intimacy, yeah. but some of the other intimacies as well. Cool. Uh -huh. So scheduling sex. Oh yeah, scheduling sex. Sorry. I got a quick question here. So oh, on, those, on those other 20 days, was anything else happening or was it just like, there's nothing that day? So when we, whenever we're in a sex challenge, um, we have, we have developed and I, and I want to be really clear. We've developed the ability to talk about our sex life. Neither one of us came into our marriage right. with like the vocabulary that the conversation, like this mm -hmm. has been a learned skill. And, and the reason that's so important that people know is because a lot of people are like, Oh, I could never talk about that. My parents didn't talk about it. Like, I, I don't know. You can learn. Mm -hmm. You can, like we've learned. Um, and so we are always super intentional about the conversations. If we're doing a seven day sex challenge, then, then we're talking about what that's going to look like. We're talking about what else is on our plate. We're talking about how we're going to romance one another, but throughout the rest of the month. And we're also on a seven day because it's, it's only seven days, like <laughs> exactly. being very clear when she's ovulating mm -hmm. and at that height yeah. where she is most likely or is most sexually receptive. Mm -hmm. Because then it's just more enjoyable for both of us, mm -hmm. especially on a, on a seven day. When it comes to the 60 day sex challenge, we set that up. And the way we set that up was we're going for a 60 day sex challenge. Mm -hmm. But if one of us is traveling, one of us is sick, or at least is on her period, mm -hmm. then those are times when we're cool with just going, we're not going to have sex. Mm -hmm. and, and so it really, for us, worked out really good because come the end of the first month, I end up getting a viral migraine, which I've never had. Oh no. Before or since. Never had one since, but I was in the ER oh, no. just like on my knees crying, just crying and oh, couldn't no. understand. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. It was really bad. And so it worked out for us. So, you know, got healed up and everything, uh, traveled a couple of times. And then obviously those times when Elisa was on her period, worked out to be in 40 out of 60 days. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. My wife and I, so last year we did September and then this year we, okay. decided yeah. to, we decided to do it again. And so we've scheduled some form of intimacy every day for 30 days. And so there whether that's like we're having intercourse that day or not, but there's something happening every day for 30 days. And to anyone out there who has never done one, like maybe start with a seven or something, but it is incredible how close it brings you after those 30 days. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and Kyle, what I want to hit on just as you just explained that to the audience is some form of sexual intimacy, right? And that's, that's a super big point for people to gather. When we did our first 60 day sex challenge, we had defined it as sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. And what we've learned, studied, and, and a big part of the six pillars of intimacy is going, okay, how do we expand that definition so that couples can be sex? Like, it's right. not just intercourse. There are a lot of different ways we can be sexually intimate. Yeah. And so understanding that it literally opens up, as I've told some of my coaching clients, it's like it opens up a buffet that you guys can, you can choose from, you know, are we just going to, you know, do naked massages tonight? Are we going to, you know, engage in foreplay and we're just going to like put it there just to, you know, keep the arousal high. Are we going to have sexual intercourse? And so it literally, um, 
because of that that scope now it allows couples to be so much more sexually intimate mm-hmm. and to feel really successful and good about themselves because it doesn't all just come down to did we or didn't we? right mm-hmm. and it relieves a lot of the pressure in the marriage yeah, yeah. No, that's good. So then oh, comes the intimacy true. lifestyle yeah. and scheduling sex. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah. what we're that's, that's what we're we segue. That's where we started. Yeah, let's go back to that. <laughs> so after sixty days, Elise and I took a break, and yet we we made our marriage a priority for the first time mm. in eleven years of our marriage. Mm. Um, maybe not the first time, but it was just at Most that point. It was it was like we finally said, "All right, our marriage is important. We're going to make it a priority." Mm-hmm. And we did this through our sex challenge. And so as we took a month off, we would begin to talk and go, well, what are we going to do next? Like, how are we going to continue that on? And what we did is we began to schedule sex, now known as the intimacy lifestyle. And what we set up is that we determined that we wanted to have sex twice a week. Mm -hmm. And we both wanted to initiate. Each of us had to initiate. There had to be some way and form that Elisa was also initiating. I was initiating with her, romancing one another. And so the way we broke it up was... Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday are my three days to initiate. Now, I can do it on Sunday or I can wait till Tuesday. It it doesn't matter. One of those three days. And then Elisa's was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm -hmm. And then we'd have Saturday off. That was our off day or our bonus day. And so we went back and forth where it's just sort of like, all right, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Some days, Sunday, I'd wake up in the morning and be like, I'm hot and heavy and you're right here. And the kids are quiet. (laughs) Today's the day. Yeah, let's do this. And then, but she may not initiate until Friday. And so it's, it's, it's being in that in between too, where maybe I was like, well, gosh, we could go have sex on Wednesday, but maybe she had coaching clients. Maybe she had a full day with the kids. Maybe she was doing some volunteering, whatever it may be. So it was, it was using our calendar to set it up. So that way we both knew when we were going to be initiating, romancing one another instead of just spontaneously just happening if we just left it to whim maybe once a month Mm. you know maybe once every six weeks just because things would happen life would happen and Mm -hmm. we've been doing that now for 14 years been doing it since our our son was five and our daughter was two and we've been living that out for the last 14 years and it's really been impactful for us and many in the one family yeah Gosh, it's a long time. That is a long time. <laughs> a long time. That's cool. Longer than you guys have been married, right? Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been married? I've been married for uh, nine years. Nine? Okay. And Kyle? Yeah, we just had eight years. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so there you go. Almost almost combined of how long yeah. you guys have been married. Yeah, exactly. And it's so crazy because that you know five-year-old's about to turn 20 yeah. here in December. Oh. And I'm just like, wow. Like his entire life. Yeah. Right. You know, our, our daughter is going to be 17. And I'm like, you know, she was two going yeah. on three when we started this. Crazy. Um, so it's, it's a pretty interesting journey. Yeah. Huh. No, that's good. Wow. So let's, uh, we got a couple last questions here. One, this one's a little bit loaded, but if couples have had some, let's call them big cracks to continue your analogy in this pillar, yeah. you know, like a porn addiction, some unfaithfulness, some strategic withholding or whatever, like what would you say to a couple that's in that spot right now? I, I think if they recognize that there are really big cracks, that it's important to, to seek help. Mm-hmm. Um, Likely, if they're listening and they're like, yeah, that's me, they've tried to do a lot of things on their own. Um, 
and, and sometimes you just need that neutral third party that's going to come in and help the two of you create a plan that's going to help the two of you look at things from a different point of view and actually work with both of you as opposed to, you know, like you were saying earlier, what if somebody comes and they're like, I feel like I'm the one doing all the work. And that can be a situation when there's been a lot of cracks yeah. in the sexual intimacy pillar very specifically. And so if you if you have a coach, therapist, counselor who can be like, hey, here's what we're going to implement as a game plan. Here's how we're going to deal with these hurts. Because a lot of times when there's cracks in the sexual intimacy pillar, there's a lot of um, deep hurts because trust has been broken. How do the two of them, you know, how does this couple rebuild the trust? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to re-engage in the sexual intimacy? And and there can be a lot of different ideas floating around, but if you've got you know a coach working with you to go, okay, we're going to implement a plan. I'm the one holding you. This is what I tell my coaching clients. I'm like, I'm the one holding you accountable. So you two don't have to be having the conversation. Yes. Well, are you going to? I don't know. You haven't yet. And then it becomes this tug of war in the marriage. It's like, yeah. uh, y'all talk to me and I will be the one to say how to go. And you can, you know, the, then I get to be the one. And so it takes that accountability out of the marriage yeah. and allows the couple to be on the same team. Yeah. No, I love that. Awesome. Well, we've got uh, one last question here. And whether there are some big cracks in the marriage or maybe things are great and there's no cracks in the marriage, what is like one piece of advice you would give to a couple no matter where they're at right now? Oh, it's be intentional mm -hmm. and take action. There's something that Elisa and I really truly believe is that you have to be intentional around one of your pillars. So right now you heard six of them. We talked about two of them. Which one do you need to be intentional about? Mm. And let's just say right now it is your financial intimacy. What are you going to do around that? That's going to strengthen that. Mm. What's the course of action? And then you need to take action. You need to move forward. You can't sit here and talk about it. And Elisa and I would do this at times and have done it at times. We'll talk about stuff right. and how we want our marriage to be. Mm. And yet we stay in the same place. And what we realized over the years is when couples go, okay, we're going to schedule sex. Great. You're, you're going to start the intimacy lifestyle. Great. How are you going to take action? And then they start putting it on their calendar. You see the things start to, right. to, to move and the marriage begins to grow. And both of them begin to get healthy in their own ways, as well as the marriage. And so it's always like, be intentional, take action. I love that. It's yeah, really I love that. That's uh, that's awesome. I've heard I've listened to your show now for two years, and I've heard you guys say that a lot, and it's it's absolutely awesome. so 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 true. Like those two things, I'm oh. constantly saying in my own head whenever things are going on. Awesome. So yeah, it's it's effective yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. So good, I love that. So before we sign off, um, if people want more of you, mm -hmm. where can they find you? How can they interact with you guys? Yeah, go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. Everything there for you from the podcast to the book to apply for coaching, wherever it may be, wherever you may be at, go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. You can find the six pillars of intimacy at sixpillarsofintimacy.com um, and grab it. It's in all formats. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. It was so lovely to do this with you guys. And I feel like even the way you, you you're saying like you're, um, you know, the one the piece of advice, it's just really practical. It's just like, here's what you, you just, yeah. you just got to do it. Like, you know, pick a thing and work at it. I feel like that's a really tangible thing versus just something fluffy. You can be like, no, no, just pick it. And like, you just got to actually, you know, put the pen to the paper and, and get going. So I love that. 
It was really good. Oh, awesome. I feel like it's a little Nike inspired. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. Do it. Just do it. Stop thinking about it and just do it yeah. and give yourself permission to take that first step. Yeah. Thank you both. So appreciate this time with you. And and it's just awesome. So thank you so much for allowing us to to share the six pillars of intimacy and what we've been doing and and, and our mission and our and our passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for hanging with us today as we dive deeper into meaningful, godly intimacy, tackle the hard questions, and embrace truth while we're at it. We're also on Instagram. You can find our handle in the show notes alongside any resource links we mentioned in the show. As always, our hearts are to cultivate deep community and freedom with you guys. We are so honored to walk this journey alongside you. We'll see you in the next episode.